tend to take water for granted. We are surrounded by it and generally in, a, in day-to-day life, it's there for us 24-7. But did you know that 70 to 80% of the water supply in Hong Kong comes from Guangdong? And the average consumption of drinking water in 2018 and 19 was 2.77 million cubic meters. So with no natural lakes, rivers or underground water sources, how is our future looking with regards to our water supply? And considering we're surrounded by it, why is there a problem? Well, my next guest in the studio is a bit of a mover and shaker when it comes to water, and he has been involved with some very innovative research and developments in this area. Let me welcome Professor Peng Wang from Hong Kong Polytechnic University's Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering to tell me more about this. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Cynthia. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Now, um, I suppose, you know, as I said, like in Hong Kong, we are surrounded by water. Um, so is, is there a problem about water in Hong Kong? I mean, we're obviously using a lot of it. Is there a problem? Well, there is a problem. As you just mentioned, that uh, uh, Hong Kong actually um, has... 70% of its fresh water coming from an outside source, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Dongjiang, uh, a tributary of the Pearl River. Mm-hmm. So the internal fresh water capacity uh, inside Hong Kong is very limited. Right. So uh, that puts the entire society at the risk of the ongoing and the seemingly ever-worsening climate crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in that sense, I would say that Hong Kong uh, needs to be ready to mm-hmm. get itself be ready for uh, what is coming okay. in the future. So, you know, you've been doing uh, a lot of research on this whole thing, and actually, a lot of your research has been based abroad. You've you've been in Saudi Arabia for the for the last ten years. Tell me a little bit about your work there and what the aim of it was. Well, thank you for uh, bringing this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I was at. Saudi Arabia for the last 10 years. I only started this new position in uh, Hong Kong Polytechnic University uh, back in August. So okay. I've been here only for six, uh, six five months, so mm-hmm. I'm still very fresh. I uh, joined uh, King Abdullah University of Science and Technology in Saudi Arabia in 2009. As a matter of fact, I was actually one of the uh, founding members of wow. the university. Mm-hmm. I spent the last 10 years uh, in Saudi Arabia, and uh, uh, this year, uh, this August, I uh, moved back to Hong Kong. Right, and yeah. your family is obviously based in Hong Kong. <laughs> yes. So, so was that one of the missions that you had when you were in Saudi Arabia? It was the whole thing, because I can imagine there, there's a major problem with water, because we're surrounded by desert then, aren't we? So what is it that you were working on there, which you've now really brought to Hong Kong? Well... I am always uh, very passionate and water and energy uh, sustainability. Mm-hmm. And the solar energy has always been my uh, favorite uh, form of energy. And, uh, uh, well, it, it has a great fit in Saudi Arabia to use solar energy to produce fresh water because mm-hmm. it has, um, you know, arguably the best quality of the solar energy in the world and almost no fresh water at all. Wow. Well, this research of using solar energy to produce fresh water by water desalination is also applicable uh, for Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> That's one of the reasons why I'm here. So describe exactly, I mean, for someone who's perhaps not familiar with, say, how solar energy works and also desalination, tell me exactly what is it that, that you have worked on and how does it work? Well, let me uh, first promote uh, why solar is important. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, I believe, I'm a big believer of solar energy. I always believe that every place should and have to use solar energy mm-hmm. and to use solar energy as much as possible for many good reasons. Number one, solar is the most clean energy uh, we have in the world. And uh, uh, in terms of carbon dioxide emission, uh, to produce the same amount of electricity, solar energy uh, only produce about one hundredth mm-hmm. uh, carbon dioxide that is produced by uh, fossil fuel. Right. And the solar is very abundant, uh, vastly abundant. I always uh, use this example to convince people how much solar we have. So the solar energy that Earth receive within one single hour mm-hmm. is already more than what the entire world need for oh my a goodness. full year. <laughs> that puts it in perspective somewhat. <laughs> and uh, you know, in this sense, you know, if you do not use solar, it's waste, big waste of the, you know, what nature give us. But then, is that? Um, really applicable in areas where there is, for instance, certainly in Saudi Arabia and here in Hong Kong, there, you know, the amount of sunlight that we get, the amount of uh, solar energy that's there is because there is a lot of sun here. <laughs> so this doesn't, this couldn't apply to everywhere, could it? Or could it? Well, I mean, uh, numbers mm-hmm. do not lie. So in Saudi Arabia, the average solar irradiation is 2,300 kilowatt hour Okay. Uh, out of one square meter per year. Now, oh. how much do we have in Hong Kong? We have 1,600. Okay. And uh, I always use uh, two examples to get people uh, inspired or motivated by solar energy. Japan and Singapore. Mm-hmm. So Japan has much less solar energy than Hong Kong. Okay. But now Japan is the third in the world in terms of the solar PV panel installation capacity. So it's all about the efficiency in which you set that up to be able to get as much out of it as possible. That's right. And also it's about your determination to Mm -hmm. use solar energy. Okay. So how do we look in Hong Kong? I mean, do you not need, like, in order to get those solar panels out, do you not need a lot of space to put those in? We do. So that's the very common complaint against Mm -hmm. solar energy, Mm -hmm. because solar energy has quite low aerial energy intensity. So to use solar energy, you have to be prepared to have sufficient amount of the land or area. Right. Well, Hong Kong has limited amount of spaces, uh, you know, where people live. But that's true. So uh, the space is limited in this part of Hong Kong. Uh-huh. But uh, I turn to look at the other side of the story. 75% of the land Absolutely. in Hong Kong is still <laughs> is open, that's right. undeveloped, yeah. unoccupied. Yeah. And therefore, it is available for us to set up PV panel to harvest solar energy. Mm-hmm. And what kind of area do you need in order to produce, to 
get that clean water, for instance. I mean, say, for instance, if you're talking that we have, say, 75% of that area, which is open now, you know, would you have to, in that 75%, would you have to say 50% of it would have to be these solar panels in order to provide for, you know, Hong Kong and the population here? Or what kind of percentage area would you need to have the solar panels in? Oh, that's a very good question. I actually did a simple calculation okay. myself okay. before coming to your show. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, and a very hypothetical uh, situation. So if the available 750 square meter of the land in Hong Kong uh-huh. is fully covered by solar PV panel, right. guess how much of electricity that can give us? I have no idea. The <laughs> amount of electricity generated this way uh-huh. would be four times the electricity Needed. The entire city needs. Okay. okay. And uh, I think uh, that's uh, that's wow. very inspirational future yeah. for Hong Kong. Think about when that happens. Uh-huh. Hong Kong will be an electricity exporter. Wow. Yes, well, because obviously if you're producing so much, then that could be channeled to other, peri- other areas, couldn't it? Absolutely. Right. And how about, like, you know, this whole project of yours is about producing drinking water. So in right. a way, what you've done, you've got buy one, get one free. You've also, like, you've said, right, this is it. We can produce electricity from this. But if we put those solar panels up, we can also, this is your um, your baby here, in terms of, making fresh water right so how does that work well uh thanks for uh, giving me this opportunity to talk about this mm-hmm. i you know this is my favorite story <laughs> <laughs> well, so <go> everything <laughs> starts with pv panel uh-huh. so um pv is nowadays the most popular way of harvesting solar energy to produce electricity right um there's a problem with pv panel PV panel harvests about 90% of the incoming sunlight. Right. But it can only convert no more than 25% of the sunlight it harvests to electricity. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference now. Mm-hmm. The difference in terms of the energy uh, on PV panel is actually converted to heat. Mm-hmm. Heat on PV panel is a waste because it reduces electricity production it shortens lifetime of the PV panel, mm-hmm. but isn't heat a form of energy? Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. So our research project look into a creative way of using this the heat, heat that's coming off to those. do the seawater desalination. Right. Why is this important and significant? Well, prediction already said that by 2030, which is 10 years from now the global PV installation capacity will be close to 1,000 gigawatt. Mm-hmm. Now, by then, the heat that can come out of the PV panels will be, in terms of magnitude, will be more than the amount of electricity connectively mm. produced by the top three producers in the world, USA, right. China, right. and the India. Okay. If we can do something to tap into this Literally. <laughs> overly looked energy source right. to do, you know, whatever beneficial uh, purpose, it will be great. In okay. our case, we use that heat to do effective seawater desalination. 
Okay, now for anyone who is uh, wondering, uh, give me a description or uh, a definition of desalination. Exactly what happens now? This is talking about, say, sea salty water, seawater, isn't it? Because we may be surrounded by water here in Hong Kong, but that water is all salty seawater, so there's not much we can do with it. So how does that work then? Well, in layman's term,、mm-hmm. seawater desalination is to remove water from the seawater. Right, so to produce、yeah. the fresh water,、right. there are two、uh, conventional ways to do so.、Uh-huh. The first one is to use membrane. We call that、uh, reverse osmosis process.、Mm-hmm. Uh, in that process, you have to use electricity to produce high pressure to push seawater、uh, right. against membrane.、Okay. So only pure water can go through the membrane. Salt cannot. So this is how membrane-based process、uh, produce fresh water. Mm-hmm. The second one is thermal-based,、mm-hmm. so this process involves using heat. Right, that's and where your thing comes in. And we are interested in this.、Uh-huh. Now, in this one,、uh, heat is being used to heat up water to produce vapor、uh, from the seawater. Now, vapor can then be condensed to produce liquid fresh water. Now, salt in the seawater cannot be evaporated. This is why this process can separate salt. From water and produce the fresh water.、Mm. So, really, what you what your research is showing is that you are almost solving two problems、uh, in a go here. You're solving this whole thing about electricity in terms of if you use solar energy, you can make electricity out of it. But at the same time, those solar panels、um, and the whole system that it works on can also produce fresh water. So it's almost like you're not only getting the electricity, you're getting the water. So is that something that you can certainly do in Hong Kong? You, if say somebody said to you, "Yes, it's all yours. You can do it tomorrow," can we do that, or is it very complicated to do it? Well, first,、uh, this research is still at early、okay. stage. Okay. So we have proved our concept、uh, at small scale. The、uh-huh. idea worked. Okay. Now we are working on. Scaling up this whole process economically, so、right. uh, in the end, it can be applied at commercial scale. So that always our target.、Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of whether Hong Kong can use this technology or not, I would say absolutely.、Mm-hmm. I always ask myself two questions. The first one is, does Hong Kong need to use solar energy?、Mm-hmm. The second one is, does Hong Kong need to produce?、Uh, Fresh water from seawater、mm-hmm. internally.、Mm-hmm. The answer to those two questions always yes,、mm-hmm. and therefore I think Hong Kong has a need to use this technology、mm-hmm. uh, to produce electricity plus a lot of fresh water from seawater.、Mm. It's very attractive. So, so what's the challenge? Obviously, you need more time in terms of the research and looking into this and the whole scalability of it. But what are the challenges are you facing with regards to this? Like, what is the thing that kind of that you need help in to to make this go forward? Obviously, you need the support of people,、um, you know, and governments, things like that. What else is a challenge for you? Well. We have some challenges for ourselves.、Uh, the first one is always, you know, can we produce the final product with competitive cost?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because at the end of the day, people compare your technology against the conventional one based on economics. Yeah. Now, the second one is that 
it's actually related to the first one, but uh, uh, we want to further enhance the water production um, uh, performance. Uh, so we're not very happy with the water production rate of our devices or the system at this point. So we do have some target for ourselves in this regard. At the same time, we want to um, make the whole system um, be stable for mm -hmm. a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. So that takes our uh, uh, takes some uh, efforts uh, as well. Mm -hmm. So, so those are the major challenges. But I suppose the the kind of basic idea, and you have seen it work. It's just like anything else; it just takes time before it's able to get off the ground. Um, so it's just time, isn't it? Yeah, and more uh, that's what we uh, we 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 have in our mind. Mm -hmm. So we are confident. Uh, we are moving uh, towards our uh, targets uh, mm -hmm. steadily these days. And in the meantime, I suppose, you know, since you have been so involved in water, I mean, do you think there's just advice that, that could be given to people? Obviously, we are hearing all sorts of environmental advice in terms of being careful with water, using it carefully. But, you know, what do you think? Um, you know, for instance, you've spent a lot of time in Saudi Arabia. There must be major shortages. Well, not, not shortages, but there must be a real issue with water there. Uh, yeah, that's true. So 95% uh, of the fresh water in Saudi Arabia is from seawater desalination. Mm -hmm. Seawater desalination is very energy intensive. So mm -hmm. uh, it may be a surprise to many that Saudi actually spent 15% of the domestic electricity for only one, for one activity. That's seawater desalination. Gosh. So uh, electricity consumption by seawater desalination is is very high. Uh, now, in terms of some advice uh, for Hong Kong residents, well, I look at the, as you mentioned, the uh, household water consumption rate mm -hmm. at Hong Kong. It is 220 liters per day for a regular Hong Kong resident. Wow, that's quite Now, long. this number is actually on a high end when mm -hmm. you compare it against the major cities with similar population and similar uh, conditions. Mm -hmm. I take this as a positive side. I believe this makes Hong Kong to have a lot of potential to see water. Yeah. What yeah. can I say to, uh, you know, uh, uh, to the Hong Kong there residents how to see water? There are two things everybody can do at home. The first one is always think about if I reduce my showering time, and uh, can I be happy with that? Yeah. And uh, do I have to do laundry every day? Yeah. Now, those are the two major activities every household has. If everybody starts doing this at home, you will see quick drop in uh, terms of fresh water consumption uh, and domestically. Mm. So, um, you know, there's a lot of potential. Yeah, that's it. I suppose it's a matter of um, really raising awareness of just how important this issue is and that, you know, as you say, that if we're not careful, then we are going to have problems in the future and that we need to start well, looking at it now. Because, you know, the unpredictability of climate change is really a wild factor. Mm -hmm. If you have been at Cape Town, uh, South Africa, mm -hmm. before 2017, I guess, no one would think that place would run out of water. It mm -hmm. did in mm -hmm. 2017. Mm -hmm. It was very severe uh, water shortage. 
And uh, at one point, everybody had to, you know, take a bucket to go to centralized water connection unit to pick up water for his or her family. Mm. That's very severe. Yeah, and and that's right. And I'm sure nobody really wants to be in that situation to have that sort of happen to us. Now, what do you think? Just before we finish, let me just ask you for two things actually. One is in terms of the research that you're doing now. Do you think that this is something? It's going to be another like it'll be another three, four years, or it'll be, what kind of time factor are you basing on the research in terms of when you think that this might be ready well, to go? Well, according to my plan, if uh, things will go uh, as smooth as we hope, mm-hmm. uh, there may be two, three years uh, before we can confidently scale up our uh, system mm-hmm. to really produce electricity and uh, fresh water uh, from the same devices. Um, yeah, so um, we uh, we we have this uh, set kind of time frame for ourselves uh, mm-hmm. in this regard. Okay. And the other thing I was going to ask you is if I could um, give you any wish whatsoever, what would your wish be? If you could, any wish that could make things easier for you or whatever, what would the one wish be that if you could have? Well, I always (laughs) have a very big wish in my mind. Uh Because for people who work in uh, with water, uh, a very sad fact is that they're about 900 million people in the world who still don't have access yeah. to, to clean, clean water. safe drinking Absolutely. water on a daily basis. Sure. Now, they have to uh, spend time to, you know, to uh, fetch water uh, somewhere for the family. And uh, I hope, you know, if within two, three years time, we can scale up our uh, system and make it affordable by them that's fantastic. That's the world will be a much better place for them and for all of us. Professor Peng Wang, thank you very, oh, thank much, you very much for coming on to the One Two Three Show today. And good luck, and please do update us as it goes. I will. Thank you. Thank you.